when you start any sort of journey, just understand your threshold for discomfort, because I think it's easy to get into a comparison game with yourself and other people, and you need to have the right habits in place. So if you have a poor man's level of habits in whatever you do now, like you jumping into anything else is not necessarily going to translate into success just because you think you're better than somebody else, or you think it's because somebody else is doing it, you can do it. So just make sure you have the right habits in place, because if you have those, the habits in place, things will fall into place. This is the Fit Investor Podcast, where we talk about how to live a more holistic life of being fit, not only financially, but physically and faithfully. We'll be joined by experts in all these areas to share their experiences and actionable and practical tips so that you can be a fit investor too. So now let's join our hosts, Kale Delaney, Wesley Whitehead, and Brenna Carls. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Fit Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Kale Delaney, here with the formerly bearded man, Mr. Oh, Wesley Whitehead. So for those of you who see it on YouTube here, he cut off the famous beard. Still got a small one, but he's a totally different person now. Yeah, caught and, in a blender. And we have Brenna, not the bearded lady, Carls. Yeah. And today our special guest is Omid or Omid the Rad Investor. So Omid is the co-founder of Alpha Geek Capital. He's a high-performance coach and a podcast host. He helps aspiring real estate investors acquire short-term rentals through partnerships and he creates a gateway experience consistent with his brand, The Hideaway House. His mantra is simple, check your worries at the door and have a great time. This mantra stemmed from Omid's early and evolving influences where he grew up in a multi multicultural household that allowed him to thrive in the melting pot of Southern California. He traveled globally, always seeking out the local and off the beaten path experience. He helped grow Alpha Geek Capital's STR portfolio to a 10 plus million portfolio, which includes 20 plus listings in multiple markets. Half of the portfolio includes themed tiny homes and Joshua Tree. And the goal is to have modern luxury amenities where you can disconnect from the world and experience self-care. As a co-host of the Find Your Freedom podcast, Omid interviews entrepreneurs to amplify their abundance mindset to inspire aspiring investors to seek out their dreams. And he's been featured in numerous podcasts, including Bigger Pockets Rookie and now The Fit Investor. So welcome, Omid. What's up? How are you doing today? Good. Oh, me. Yeah. I and Brenna, are, are, we all have known each other for a little while and we've been in the short term rental space. And uh, Brenna actually did the first short term rental loans for each one of us. So there you go. Brenna has been the start of it all. So thank you. I know. I love about Brenna. She's so cool and calm and, and her background, dude, that the colors are like speaking my language. Like I love your background colors and I know that's consistent with like your branding. So it's super cool. Wesley, of course, like the beard it's, I used to have a beard much bigger. And then I started doing like some social media things and they're like, Hey, that beard is like, like unkept looking and people don't like it. Actually, that's just what my wife told me. So I don't know if she's right or not, but that's what she told me. So I had to trim it down a little bit. I know the feeling. And then Kale, of course, dude, I don't know how you're just like a machine. You're like everywhere, all the forums and you're still able to maintain the portfolio, keep growing it. And then you have like those major pecs. Like you had some picture where you posted something where your pecs were showing. And I'm like, man, like this guy must bench like 500 pounds. Like, I, I don't know if I could ever grow pecs like that. So pretty impressive. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. It's 495. That's my bench. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, Dale's not telling you that they're all implants. So when he goes, been exposed. It's been exposed. He goes to Columbia. Yeah. He's not down there for the scenery. There he's down there for the implant. <laughs> That's true. That's right. I, well, speaking spot, of Columbia, Gale, I, spot. Yeah, I think I think Kale's like former name was like Land Lover or something like that. And I think that's how I connected where he like posted he's going to Columbia. And I'm like, who's this white guy going to Columbia? Like, what is he doing out there? What, what's going on? And then I, we just started just DMing and then Kale's a very giving guy. And so it's just super cool how we're, we've been able to meet in, in person in conferences as well and, and virtually as well. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. We're excited to have you here, man, and share a bit of your story and talk about some of the realities of entrepreneurial life. So why don't we, why don't we just kick it off and tell us a little bit about your background, where you are now, and then we can go from there. Sure. Yeah. I'm going to try to keep it short and brief. So I'm a father of three rambunctious children. So they're age four, six, and eight, based out of Southern California. I actually worked a corporate job. So I did the very traditional life. I actually was exposed to rich dad, poor dad, very late in life, late meaning like what, how old am I? I'm like 41 now, but I, yeah, it must've been my late thirties. I don't know where I was. Like I was probably living under a rock or something, but I was working this co corporate job. My goal was really move up, make a lot of money and put as much money into my 401k. And, and that's what I did. I contributed 25% of my salary into my 401k. So every year I just increased it. And in my mind, that was the way to financial freedom. 16, 18 years later, I think I had like maybe about 600K in my 401k at the time, right when COVID happened. And I thought I was bawling. I was like, oh, dude, this is like the best. Like I, I've invested all my money into this 401k, I'm reducing my taxable income. And then I, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I started looking into real estate a little bit. And thanks to Brenna, she funded my first short STRs. I came across STRs actually during right when COVID happened. So that was like the summer of COVID. Nobody was, at the time, everybody was scared to buy. So it was a great time. I made my first offer and it was accepted. So it was like, oh, this is it. This is all you got to do. <laughs> and I started experiencing the cash flow. And then from the power of the cash flow, essentially decided, hey, we're going to try to scale this thing. So I had two partners at the time and we scaled it pretty quickly, grew the portfolio to 20, 25, 25, 26 listings with some still coming. Of course, you run out of money at some point. I think the first five we funded ourselves. And then after that, we started doing partnerships and that kind of helped us to scale the business. And, but what I realized is more important than anything was during COVID, I got to spend more time with my family. And so I was always a guy, first one in, last one out. <clears throat> I woke up super early and my priority was go to the gym, be in the office because there's so much traffic. I always wanted to beat the traffic, get in. Then I'm like stuck in traffic again on the way home. So I go, to, then I'm like wait, working long hours, wait for traffic to die down. Then I drive home. So that was my routine. And then I would say a year and a half ago, I built up enough cash flow where it was, it replaced my income. And I decided, okay, this is time because there was a point where I was uh, waking up at 3.30 AM to maintain all my responsibilities. So it was like my original routine was five, then it became 4.30, then it became four, then it became 3.30 because I still wanted to do well at work and also maintain my responsibilities with a, a short-term rental portfolio. And here I am now. So now I'm like a full-time entrepreneur. And the irony is I'm trying to figure out what is the right balance between being looking like you. So that's my <laughs> long-term goal to so look like you. 
And then while still trying to grow professionally, grow my business, and then still be able to create quality experiences for my kids. Yeah. That is the perpetual struggle, right? (laughs) Yeah. And to find that balance. Goodness. So like, Kale, even for you, so you're, you balance, you have the portfolio, you got the podcast going on now, you're doing all these extra projects. How do you make time? Because I, I struggle with that and I'm still trying to figure out what is the best practices. I've always stuck to wake up early and my version of the miracle morning, I guess everybody has their own version probably once they're entrepreneurs, but maybe we can just talk about that a little bit. Yeah. And I'll be the first one to admit that my life is not balanced right now. (laughs) I'm in the same spot as you, my friend, and trying to figure it out. I am, yeah, as an entrepreneur now, full-time entrepreneur, same as you, I am definitely working more than I wanted to or expected to (laughs) and focusing too much on that. So I haven't figured it out. So there are definitely aspects of my life that are being neglected or struggling a bit, but it's all a matter of really same as you. I'm a proponent of getting up early, getting, getting some of those things out of the way, prioritizing time blocking and all that type of stuff. So that's how I'm able to do all the things that I'm doing, which you're doing just as much, if not more, I three kids, same as you. So yeah, it's a struggle and I'm in that same thing of trying to figure out how do I get that balance back? How do I, when is enough? When do I need to just sit back and let things get better systemized and optimized and all that thing, instead of just trying to keep growing and growing. I'm right with you. So I'm here to learn as well. I'd like to say what I noticed about both of you and people that just are really busy. I keep reiterating that Facebook and social media only shows the positive of people's lives and it doesn't show the hardships at home behind closed doors, right? It doesn't show those arguments when you come home late from work because you're doing a W-2 job and then working personally like I was 30, 11.30 at night and wake up at 5 a.m. and do it all over again and you don't have that much time for family and then you're trying, you feel guilty and it's all these things behind your success. And I think what I see from you guys and people like you is just like working out, right? Once you get in the habit of it, it's not, oh, I have to do this. It's just something you do. You wake up and do what you need to do and it becomes habit and that's what you're used to and you do see success with working hard. I don't think you have to be a genius. I'm not saying y'all aren't geniuses, maybe you are. I'm not saying, but you don't have to be a genius. You have to have, I've always said, I think you have to have a little common sense and really hard work ethic to succeed. And I think I see that in both of you guys. So I mean, nice try on putting everything back on kale, but let's go back. <laughs> let's go back to you and what you do in your version of your miracle morning. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll vary. I pretty much wake up without the alarm. So I have an alarm set at four o'clock. So usually I'll wake up anywhere between 3.30 to 4. Um, So that's my typical routine. I know some people talk about gratitude. I try to mentally do the gratitude in my mind while I'm doing my coffee in the morning. So it's normally I wake up. I know in in its best practices, a lot of gurus say, don't check your phone. Don't check your emails. But I, I do that. I can't not do that. So it just, so I'll check any pressing emails or anything that's a priority that maybe happened overnight. So I'll do that. Everything's clear. Then I'll go downstairs. I'll make my coffee right before the my gym. So I do Orange Theory. 
Some people do like your traditional lifting or CrossFit. I like Orange Theory because I play soccer. So I want to stay lean and, and agile. And so that type of exercise, which is high interval, a little bit less weight, but it allows me to stay lean for the purpose of soccer. So I have a class five to six. I'll go typically four to six days a week, depending on the week. And if there's a really heavy work day, then I may skip it. But I've really made the physical piece, the foundation for everything. Because I think if I physically feel well, I can service others. And that's really including my kids. I get often, I come across a lot of parents who are in their 40s. And what's interesting is their energy levels are very low. Mm -hmm. So it's, they barely have enough energy to wake up, get the kids ready, go to work, come back, pick the kids, take up, take them to an activity and they're exhausted. They don't want to do anything more. They just want to check out. So I think that I'm, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I think that's like the, the average person that I talk to. That's what I hear. So for me, I want to be able to maintain the energy levels first. So back to what I was saying is foundationally first is being in shape. You know, Kale, he's like been working out since he was like five years old or something <laughs> to have that kind of build. You probably have to be working out since you were like really young, but so that's a foundational piece. And then that allows me to have my me time because I think a lot of self-care, when you think about being an entrepreneur or a high performance person, self-care sometimes is overlooked or not. there's not a priority for it. Or me time, there's no priority because every minute of the day is taken, whether, especially if you're a parent. And so that's my version of self-care is I get a I go to the gym. I don't talk to anybody. I try to not like I'm a social person, but I don't make I don't want to make friends. I don't want to get in, get out, really get what I want out of it, which is like, kill myself in the gym, feel really good afterwards for the 10 minutes. And then, all right, the day begins because now I got to mm -hmm. wake up the kids. And emotionally, I got to be prepared because somebody's going to throw a fit. Somebody's <laughs> not going to listen. And that was this morning. That was literally this morning. I apologize for being a little late to the podcast, but it's literally like all three of them were being very difficult this morning. And they have it's. They don't want to get dressed. Once one has a special like, request, one refuses to eat breakfast because they don't like what's, what's being served for breakfast. So it's just a kind of combination of those things to be mentally prepared. But I think my most, my highest level of energy is right after the gym, right in the morning and, and then just starting the day. So they get dropped off. I get to kind of, as I'm dropping them off, I'm driving. And a lot of times during driving, you get to think out your day. So that's my time to think out, okay, what is my day going to look like? And what are the things I need to do to feel that I've been successful in some of the things that I'm trying to achieve? So I know from a best practice standpoint, a lot of people will do the night before thing where it's okay, the night before I'm going to do these three things. And that's a successful day for me. For me, I'm doing it as I go, which I know that's, it is not the best practice, but that allows me to map out the remainder of the day. And then I'll work on those things. And eventually I'll go through my day of different items. And, and then Got the kids. Now we've got to restart with the kids. And you think about, okay, their activities. And I plan it in my head that they're going to have an activity once, every, at least every day there's an activity. Whether or not there is one, that's just what I plan for. So that way I'm mentally prepared that, okay, at the end of the day, I still have to have energy to mm -hmm. then do that. I do the coaching with my son, basketball and seasonally, whatever the sports are. So basketball, soccer, t ball. And yeah, yesterday just came back from practice and get home and get, them, get back to the routine of getting them prepared for the next day. So it's a beast to get them down. And then I have a little bit of me time to work a little bit. And 
I think that's where entrepreneurs, there's a variance. It's, some will have a tolerance where they'll work one hour, two hours. Some will work through the night, through midnight. And I think that's where I cut it off. So I'll say a max of two hours and that's it. Because again, the sleep part. So I know sleep is so important. And I've, I know a lot of times that gets pushed to the side if people aren't prioritizing it. So what do you do? And as an entrepreneur, as you have priorities, what are you going to, how much time is enough time for sleep? Because I'm going to wake up at four no matter what, no, no matter what happened in the previous day. So what do you do? And I think that's a decision. And maybe what are your guys' thoughts on that as, as far as like the sleep piece? Because I think that's a challenging one. Yeah. I'm big on, if I don't get enough sleep, I'll, yeah. I'll be cranky and I can act like I'm not cranky, but in my head, I just want to go punch something. But whoever created time blocking, I feel they must have not had any anything in their life going on because it's okay these two hours i'm going to do this and then yeah. when i first started a mortgage you're like oh just time block i'm like oh yeah because there's nothing else that comes up there's not like this file that's on fire there's not my yep. new puppy just use the bathroom on the carpet yep. in the middle of zoom and i don't even have kids and i can't even time right. block so it's yeah. i don't know how anybody does it especially with kids especially how busy you guys are so i do like that you said i take it day by day and i have the goals and i do what i can because I do think that's yeah. true success because if people try to time block and then they're so like, I've got to get this done in that day and they don't, then they feel like they failed or something. And they're like, this is just too much. I can't do it. I don't know how you guys do it. And it's like, you can't take yourself too seriously. And I think yeah. that's a good point, actually, is I think the time blocking is a great concept. I think it works great if you're single <laughs> yeah. and you own your day. Yeah. But when you have other people in your life who are dependent upon you, who need you, who have their own personal fires to put out. Time blocking still a good goal, but if you can't meet it, like you were saying, I mean, if you can't make it with yeah. it, at least you could feel like, okay, I'm not a failure. Like I didn't fail. Like yeah. life happened. Hey guys, it's Brenna Carl, CEO and co-founder of The Mortgage Shop. When I'm not spending my time searching for the best pizza in town, working out because of pizza, or fighting sharks as Kale likes to say, I spend my time educating clients on the best investment products that will help them build generational wealth and making sure their loan process is as smooth as warm butter on a piece of toast. Call us today to get started with your investment journey at 800-816-7982 or talk more about pizza. Talk to you soon. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And as someone who has five kids, like I, I can block yeah. like five minutes. Yeah, I'm like, I can't five, even yeah. fathom that. Ooh, I go to the bathroom and there's three kids at the door. Eating Man. Milk. Yeah, I got the fingers under the door. <laughs> kind of yeah, like. exactly. <laughs> That's a, yeah, my little one's outside the door right now saying, daddy, open door, open door. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, and I, and, you know, tell him he's violating your time block. I know. Yeah. <laughs> you cannot get, come in this room yeah. during these two hours. Yeah. So what, what, time do you go to, what time do you go to bed? Yeah. So that's so like Brenna, anywhere from 8.30 to 10.30. I said, so these are the few things that I've done more recently, which is like the no the notification of turned down on the phone. So like when somebody's messaging me, because sometimes you can't ever turn that off. People are messaging you, calling mm -hmm. you at random times, especially as an entrepreneur. And I've gone to a lot of, I don't know, fights, disagreements with my wife over being present. And, you know, what we've trying to, what we've agreed upon, again, it's not perfect. It's between six to eight o'clock. The phone is, so I've set my phone where at five o'clock, it's the notification says I'm not available, mm. but like six to eight is family time. And once the kids are down, let's say eight, eight thirty. Okay. That's your time again. You can do whatever you want. 
But that's six to eight. Of course, messages come in. Sometimes there's meetups, sometimes there's virtual things. So that's the part that I struggle with is I try to say no more to things in that time bu- bucket. Of course, it's not a perfect, but I try to be more mindful of it. And that's mm-hmm. something that I'm trying to manage through myself is because literally I'm glued to my phone and it just, and then my wife's complaints. Like, hey, why is your phone ringing all the time? Why do you have all these notifications on? Turn off all your notifications. And so I struggle with that because I, I have FOMO. I have the, in my corporate job, speed was so important. And especially in the real estate business, like speed is important, being present, knowing, being in the know. And so how can you balance those things? And I think, Kale, you do an amazing job as far as doing, being present into all these different like forums and being a contributor, like you're an amazing contributor. I think that's why so many people know you in the community. And I struggle with that because I like to do more, but I'm like, okay, within my priorities, like that's a little bit lower where I'm like, okay, if I have time, I want to do some of those things more like you. I think you're a great model for that as far as being very giving to the community. Yeah. I thank you. I appreciate that. It's, I think you have things a bit structured, better structured than me, honestly. And I'm, I get a very similar thing in terms of being on the phone too much because short-term rentals, unfortunately, is a bit of a 24-7 thing unless you're starting to outsource and that type of thing, which I'm not at that stage yet. So (laughs) just coincidentally enough and just being transparent since we're talking about all all this stuff, right before this podcast started, I was in a disagreement with my wife about the exact same thing. So it's a reality of this business, unfortunately. There are ways to mitigate that, like what you just said, Omid, you block off that time from six to eight. I've tried doing that and I, I haven't blocked it off in terms of not being on the phone and responding to messages from guests or that type of thing. I blocked it off in terms of like, I'm stopping my work at whether it's five or six o'clock and then I'm not going to be in my office for the rest of the day, the rest of the night. After the kids are bed, I'm not going in the office. I'm not doing any more work, but I am still responding to things that come up on the phone or this or that. And so I need to get better with that and probably do something like you do of setting aside a solid time of saying, okay, it, it goes off for this period. Yeah. I have a question yeah. for you guys. When you, because yeah. I've noticed Kale, which says like notifications or silenced or whatever, is that what y'all are talking about? Do you turn something on your phone that's it? And because I'm like not good at technology. So is that in your settings or something? <laughs> the dumb question, but seriously. No, that. That's a great question. No, essentially that, that is what it is. It's basically, it shows like it silences notifications. So basically you won't get like the ring or during that time. So it'll show like your phone is on like sleep mode. I don't know, sleep or I don't know, a little, as the little logo on there. Yeah. The little moon, but Wes is perfect. You'll get the notification, but I mean, I just like never answers. Every time I text Wes, I get a little response saying your notification has been silenced. I think he's he just been manually texting that to you, by the way. That's just for Kale. And he's just manually goal. texting that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, Wes is not here. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've talked to like, even I talked to Sarah Weaver. She's the author, co-author he's of awesome. uh, the 30 Day Stay book. And so she talked about like life being chapters. Mm-hmm. So, so essentially embracing that there's going to be imbalance in your life. And you just got to prioritize and pick whatever it is that you're going to really go all in on 
and almost neglect a lot of other things within your life, especially if you're an entrepreneur. And so she's acknowledged, she's like, hey, I don't take care of my health. I, because I'm building this business or I'm, and when she's, I'm okay with that because that's what I decided. That's the decision I made. She's this next chapter or she's, oh yeah. And she's, oh yeah. And my date life was horrible. I had, I, basically I'm not getting laid. And, but she's that there's, but then once the chapter is closed and on a certain thing that I've accomplished, now I'm moving on to the next chapter and this is the next priority. But for me, I think I try to see if there's never a balance, but I think it's, I think my two priorities, and I think Jay Papazan and Wendy Papazan, they talked about there's two things that they care about, which is marriage first, family second. So it's always their, you know, they're the example for their family and they got to take care of each other because if they're in sync, then it trickles down for everything else. I'm not there at the marriage part yet because I think a lot of, I've talked to high performance coaches and there's a common theme around high performance people that they coach. And that's usually the priority. What's What gets pushed to the bottom typically is going to be that relationship with the spouse. So I've been trying to like slowly move it up in terms of the priority list, because I think there is a lot of truth around making, being in sync allows you to be more at peace with everything. And so that's what I've been working on, but it's, yeah, foundationally it's okay. Health. And I'm trying to shift wife over kids. I'm, I haven't done it yet because it's still like a struggle for me, but to me, it just seems like that appeals to me long-term as far as being able to manage everything. And then, then next being like the business piece. So that's, I'm trying to navigate it and make the adjustments. But again, it's easier said than done. I think, and I think the struggle is, and I know this from several entrepreneurs that I talk to is you have to figure out what is success to you because whatever success is to you, that's what gets your priorities. And so when you find out that like your friend or this, this lady who's not prioritizing her health, because she doesn't look at that as being successful, that's not success to her. If you, if your wife is the bottom of the barrel, it's because that's not part of your success. And I think it's good having your wife above your children because ultimately your kids are going to move out one day and have families of their own. You're going to be left with this person who's a stranger. So obviously that's a disaster. But I think a lot of us, we get so focused on growing the business and we'll justify it. Boy, it's providing for my family. It's retirement. It's giving them access to good schools and good vacations and all those things, which are good things by themselves. But if your relationship with your kids and your wife are sacrificed for this business, that can be taken away from you in a heartbeat. You get sick, you get cancer, good luck with your business. Who's last of your family? And I think a lot of times people, they'll chase after that dollar sign. And I'm not opposed to being successful financially, but chase after the dollar sign. And then they never, they're never, it's never enough. Your portfolio is never big enough. And then you end up being alone and having a failed relationship. You got two or three bad relationships. You got stepkids and you got out. It's just the whole mess. But on paper, you're, on your tax returns, you're successful. And that's the danger. You look like the Joneses, basically. I was going to say, because Omid said about his kids being above the wife and he's trying to figure that out. It goes hand in hand. Again, I don't have kids yet, but when you're in a business, those people that interact with you daily, whether it's your employees, your clients, they demand so much from you. And your kids demand so much from you. And kids are like, I have to give them this is what I'm doing it for. I'm trying to give them a good life or the employees like with me, I've got to make sure they're okay. I need them to make sure that I'm caring for their needs. And then it's exactly right. My husband gets home or something and I'm still working and we don't have that time. 
But it also went back to him when he was going through pilot school and stuff. He was waking up at 4.30 and then not getting home until 9.30. And it's like we were passing ships. And I think sometimes that's just how life is going to go when you are determined to do something. But at the end of the day, you need to be like, hey, this is my best friend. We both are in it together. Because there's a lot of times that I've had, y'all probably don't, but as a woman, I can have an emotional breakdown. And I don't know if you've ever cried. And then when you look in the mirror, if you see yourself crying, you realize how ugly you look crying. And then you cry more. I'm like, oh, and then I cry. And so maybe that's just girls. I don't know. Or maybe it's just me because sometimes I'm crazy. But it happens. And never like my emotional, he's like emotional support there. And I've been that for him. And so I think it's a, it's not all or nothing. I think it's a give and take. And you have to be cognizant of it. I, I yeah, uh, quick comment. Sorry, yeah, real quick comment. I think what you're saying is correct. I think the problem is that we too many times we trick ourselves into saying it's right. just for a season. Yeah. And the season becomes years and then years oh, become yeah. decades. That's the challenge. Yeah. And so when I talked about, when I talked to Bill Faith about this, so one thing he talked about was how he's able to maintain the relationship with his wife is he has, a t again, go back to time blocking, but every Friday they have a discussion. And so it's scheduled in as far as that they're on the same page about, as far as their goals, where they are. So everybody knows what their role is and you don't necessarily have to spend additional time per se, but I think it's more ensuring that there's a communication around what's being done and why, and that everybody's agreeing that this is the method to accomplish the goals. And I think that's where a lot of people fail, including myself. I think before it was like, we've had these discussions as implied, but not talked about enough where there's consistent discussions around this. I would fight with my wife. Hey, we talked about this a year ago, two years ago, or, and that's not enough. Like you have mm -hmm. to talk about it very consistently and maintain that level of communication. And I think to me, that sounds like a best practice. And even talking to a high performance coach is also like the time blocking in which we've started implementing more is like the date nights. It's like implementing the date night. People, a lot of people talk about it, but they don't do it. And it's having the reoccurring weekly and that's fun, right? And I've noticed when that gives us time to do the reflection discussions and being away from the kids. And if that requires you hiring a babysitter, hire the babysitter because that allows everybody to be in line, everybody to be more at peace. And then you set yourself up for more success. You have a question about the orange theory. So I know you must can like dance, right? You must have a beat because that's those things like you have to be like, I think like you have to be like, on beat while you're bicycling. I've done it once and I couldn't sit normal for four days, but I just feel like you gotta have that rhythm. So you must have pretty good rhythm. No, it's funny. <laughs> so we, I, I don't, I'm not super coordinated. I love dancing by the way, but I, I'm not the most coordinated. I know you're a great dancer, right? Yeah. You, Kale? Oh, no, you. Right. Yeah, just... yeah, yeah right. but oh, Kale, Kale is, he's more of like Magic Mike type dancing. Like, yeah, there you go. He just got to take his shirt off and just barely move a little bit and everybody goes wild. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, but, yeah. Not, yeah. I got to have more technique to, to impress people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Hey, all I was in the University of Miami Salsa Club. Okay. Really? So cool. So there's different, but Hamid, I'm pretty sure I've seen a video and you I were just moving around, but you were like doing some kind of dance. I don't know. I feel like maybe I dreamt it. 
but yeah, you were like no. kind of dancing around and you did have, you had rhythm. So don't just. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I, I love dancing. So to get a little bit of alcohol on me and I'll dance all night long. So it's fun. I enjoy it. It's just a good time. Yeah, for sure. It's that, it's that Colombian part. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, so when I was a kid, I would go to Colombia. So I'd get dropped off every summer as a kid. And it's interesting because when you go out to Colombia, everybody salsas, like it's like one of the capitals of salsa dancing in general. And it's just part of the culture and my level of rhythm compared to the average person out there is I'm like, I'm a white boy, right? Like sidestepping, like it just is not the same. Right. And over there, it just, everybody just so great at it. They try to teach me when I was younger and I picked up a little bit, but not nearly to the level that the average person out there goes. And then I think a year ago, I went out for a wedding and I was just so intimidated. I'm like, sometimes I think I'm a great dancer. And then I go to places where I'm like, wow, there's some really great dancers out there. So you got to travel the world and there's so many great dancers. So are you part Colombian? Yeah. So my mom is Colombian descent and, and then my dad is from Iran. So they met in an English class in LA. So basically they're both learning the English and they barely spoke English and they spoke the language of love. And shortly after I was born. Yeah. So it just, that's so I'm half. Yeah. So half Persian, half Colombian and uh, yeah, raised and born, raised in Southern California. Yeah. So how do you think those different backgrounds like you growing up or you getting to this point, do you think those backgrounds helped you be hospitable or helped you be driven, motivated, all of that stuff? Yeah. So hospitable, like hospitable hosts, like the book. So, I'm just so, throwing that word out there. I don't know. Like a, it's, that was a softball. So actually a big part of my chapter, I talk about that. I talk about my upbringing and how I had to adapt to, I had to be very adaptable to I had this kind of weird thing in the Persian community. Everybody loves being Persian. Like they're so proud. Like they love, I'm Persian. Are you Persian? That's always the first question. <laughs> Are you Persian? And I think w within the community, I never felt like I was fully part of the community because I was like fully Persian. Then on the Colombian side, I was like Colombian, but not really because I was like the white boy. And then uh, you grow up and uh, you want to assimilate and you grow up with MTV culture and you want to have a great time. And, and so. It just, I almost had to be like a chameleon. And so I was always embraced in different communities, but never felt like I was a part of the community. And so I always adapted and it allowed me really to find common themes just across different cultures, which is humor, have a good time, drink. And, and I think that's part of being also like a host. Like when you're hosting somebody, I used to host a lot of parties and it was whether I was at home at my home in college, post-college. That's one of the things I was known for. And it's, you want to make sure people feel welcome, that they feel part of the community and that they're having a good time. Um, and I think food and it's, some of those things just bring, brings people together. And so that's why all those have always been like a priority for me. It's like learning about everybody as much as I can and then finding a way to connect with people. And I think that's important. I think that's a way for you to really dig a little bit deeper and even learn about yourself is through others as well. So with your real estate background, tell me a little bit. I know I've known you from your first one until now. So tell me about, you don't see the struggles, right? You don't see, okay, yeah. there's different steps to getting to sure. the next level that you're in. So sometimes that step is big and you're like, I don't know how to take this next step. For example, sure. you have partners now and you're like, I don't know if I'm going to control this or if they're going to take this on. Yeah. How did you handle that? 
Yeah. So I'm going to go back just a little bit since from my early 20s. I'm going to share a couple of my failures. So first, I live in Southern California. I lived at home. And my goal was really to buy something as quick as possible after I graduated college. But I, in my eyes, my mindset was I am everything's too expensive out here. So I decided, hey, I'm just going to go buy a place in Vegas because it's the next state over. It's drivable. I decided to buy in 2005 at the peak of the market. And so then the crash happens. And so what's ironic is I purchased a property. Rents at the time, I think my mortgage was like $1,000. I think originally, I think rents were like around 1200 for the two bed that I had. And as the economy got worse, then the tenants move out, then it becomes a thousand, then the tenants move out, then it becomes 800, then tenants move out, becomes 600. And this was at the bottom of the market. And eventually <clears throat> I'm in a position where I'm paying out of pocket every month. And I didn't know anything about underwriting. I didn't know anything about any of that stuff other than I just want to buy some real estate because I hear that's what people do. And I eventually, as soon as I bought my primary residence in 2010, which is the same where I'm at today, I let go of that property. I think the I bought it for 210 and I think it was worth like 65K at the bottom of the market. And, uh, and then I eventually rebuilt my, my, my credit. And then fast forward, I'm like ready to invest in real estate again. This is 2018. I buy a long-term rental with a partner <clears throat> and same thing. There's a long distance out of state. It's what we didn't realize it's in a flood zone and the insurance of the flood zone basically ate up all the, all the cash flow that we underwritten for. And then we also thought it was in a great zip code, but of course we're not familiar with the parts of the zip code, which was actually in a really bad area. So there was like high crime and it was, and we listed it for sale and we did the burr and we listed for sale. It sat on the market for a year. Eventually we just decided, Hey, we're going to just sell it at a loss because we're over it. And I, then we attempted to do apartment syndication right before COVID happened thinking, Oh yeah, we're, I'm going to go and try this apartment syndication thing. I hear it's like, you just buy this apartment and you make all this money and you're really, we join a coaching program. And, but all these lessons have basically led me into short-term rentals. So then pivoted into short-term rentals. And fast forward a couple of years, there's just all these learning lessons you learn along the way. And I think the big takeaway is just keep learning, keep making adjustments and don't quit. Don't be afraid and, and just stay consistent. So yeah, it's, we ended up buying, I don't know, almost like one a month for the past two years, like two years for a while. Like we stopped purchasing, I guess this year, the, the way the market is and everything, but in general, that's how I started, but I don't know if I answered your question. So like with you buying one a month, how do you have time okay. to catch up and be like, okay, who's going to man? Do you guys, how did you come up with a system of like, all right, we're going to, I know how your business model works, Yeah, yeah end, sure. but yeah. how, who's going to manage it? Sure. Who's yeah. going to be there? Who's going to take over if you're sick or yeah. something? Or all that oh, oh, for sure. I think that's the beauty of like, when you start off, you wear every hat. One day you're the accountant, one day you're the operator, one day you're communications. But I think we've had designated roles. So in theory, you have the vision of, okay, so this is what we want to do. So the idea was we had Tony, he's a systems guy. He's like the visionary systems guy. He's great at setting up, creating the business, setting up the, all the processes in place. That's his strength. Sarah was operations. 
So in, in theory, she was doing all the operations communications for the most part while I was still doing the W-2. I did all the back end kind of loose things, all the things that nobody wanted to do. Emailing me. First, yeah. yeah, like <laughs> when I first started, well. right? Yeah, it's like it, it was, that was what I was doing. All the things, all the ad administrative tasks. Yeah. And then eventually we just transitioned different roles. So then it was like operations. Then it became like an investor relations, which is basically I was sourcing deals and then I was finding investors and then connecting the deals with investors. So I think that was basically I had a Calendly set up. And as soon as I quit my job, my calendar was full every day. I was talking to investors every single day. And it was basically, okay, like trying to build a relationship with investors that made sense and made sure that the, that we had aligned goals. And then like understanding, okay, this is their criteria. This is what they're looking for. And then figuring out, okay, I know of this market. I know of, of this sort of return that I can get for this sort of asset and just connecting the dots. It, was, it became like the people connector with like deals. And then on the, Sarah was doing, and then I was helping with also like la launching. We were all wearing a lot of different hats throughout, but like the designated roles was Sarah operations. I was more like sourcing acquisitions and investors. And then Tony set up all the systems and then we all just always had a, a meeting and we just consistently talked about how can we make the business better with KPIs? How can we on the performance side, as well as on the acquisition side. And it was just like all those things. And <clears throat> I just ended up building a relationship with a builder and we just sourced a lot of tiny homes off market from the builder directly. Mm -hmm. Eventually, I think like half of the homes were straight from this builder where I already knew what was coming in and I already knew what those sort of properties generated. And that's how we were able to establish ourselves in Joshua Tree. And it, of course, we got in right before the boom and people can't, a lot of people yeah. came in after. And, but yeah, it's what we did, but it's one day you're marketing because you're posting on social. It's just, you're just mm -hmm. learning as you go along. Like you're just figuring it out. So what I'm hearing from it, it sounds like all of y'all are, it takes teamwork, right? Teamwork to make a dream work. And all of y'all knowing all of you guys, all of you are really passionate about it. So I think that's really key yeah. to creating that partnership and continuing it to make it succeed. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Like, I think that's like the relationship piece and the communication piece. I think that's super important. And just ensuring that your egos are checked out the door because it's sometimes you're going to have to do things you don't want to do. Sometimes you're going to have to do things for the sake of the better good of the business. And I've been trying to be work on that because originally it's always been like, Hey, Tony's here at the forefront. They're the face. And then slowly over time, I was like, Hey, I'm going to start trying to build my brand. And, and that's how things have continued to evolve is just learning. And I think there's just so many lessons to be learned from just working with others. There's never a perfect relationship. And, but I think it's thinking about what it is, understanding what you do well, and can you then find somebody that complements your skill set and make some, something happen? Yeah. Create this vision and the consistency of making something happen. Let me ask you this because we both, and we have very similar trajectory, right? Yep. And a lot of things, but in regards to the short-term rentals and everything, we got started roughly around the same time. We both scaled pretty quickly. You're obviously scaled a lot more than I have. In terms of the acquisitions, like you mentioned this year, things have slowed down because of market conditions and things like that. One thing that I'm struggling with, frankly, is the, it's not that so much that the 
work or the business has slowed because I think maybe it's just me. I've filled it in with different things, but the acquisition part has slowed and it feels strange, like after moving so quickly. So I just want to get your input if it's similar with you or what you guys feel. Yeah. So I, I think for me, it's, I talked to a lot of operators who are in a very similar position where it's now it's like this, the phase of their business of like stabilization or optimization or improving processes and acquisition is like on hold or slow down. And like I, I recently purchased a property independent of Tony and Sarah, just on my own. I'm working on launching it in the coming months. It just in, in JT, it takes three months to get a permit. So I'm like not in a rush per se, but I'm just working on it. But like you said, it's, you don't want to jump into investments. It's just a weird time right now. And what I did to hedge against that was, okay, conservative underwriting, buying below market prices, projecting a conservative forecast with mm -hmm. uh, the idea of shooting, like performing, outperforming that. And, and creating something that's different. Everybody says, hey, unique experience that's thrown out so loosely. And it's everybody's unique experience is the same. Not that I, <laughs> you're so unique, but it's, everybody has the same one. Yeah. Everybody has a mural idea or whatever. And, but shout out to you, Kale, by the way, what you did with your property that you're launching. Awesome, by the way. But yeah, I think that's a struggle. And I think right now it's like figuring out where to pivot. And, and I don't know the answer. And it's like, right now I'm actually, I'm going to work for me personally, it's pivoting, like knowing what is my strengths and where do I want to work on? And it's going on the sales side. So I, I applied for, I, I did the realtor thing and I just passed my test. So I'm going to test the waters on that and be the investor friendly agent and just really just concentrate on that. I don't want to do residential. I don't want to show houses. I just want to be like Tyler and just send an email and then get a million people that want to buy. Tyler Kuhn, is that? Yeah. So I want to be that guy. Yeah. But one day, yeah, that's the goal. So I think that's what I'm working on in the meantime, while I'm trying to figure out where to pivot. And you see some people pivoting, Hey, I'm doing this boutique hotel, or I'm doing multifamily. I think I still want to stick with short-term rentals. I think that's really still my passion. And so I, I think I'm still, I'm here to stay. So I think a lot of people are pivoting out or they're doing the MTRs or the or then now the motel guy, I'm still here as a short-term rental guy. I want to still be the expert because I think we still haven't perfected the craft. I think right. there's so many people, it's the, the short-term rental game is still very young. And although people think it's saturated or there's too many people in there, it's a, still a very young niche. And I still want to continue to perfect it and get better at it. Right. I think that's a good outlook. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like we've been talking about with all these different areas, it's phases, not only phases of life, but phases of business, right? And, yeah. and different transitions, different chapters. And it's, I think, again, we're relatively newer into the entrepreneurship yeah. world. And I think we're still learning as we go as to how this is all going to shake out and how we're going to be sure. able to balance our lives, how our business is going to evolve and, yeah. and all these things. Wes, I want to get your input a little bit because out of all of us, you're the most seasoned in terms of the entrepreneurship life. I know you, we talked previously and you had similar struggles in the beginning with transitioning into owning a business and that type of thing. But what have been some of the biggest things maybe that you've done or you've seen that's helped you get a better balanced life or a more consistent or stable business instead of growth spurt, then slow and then growth spurt and that type of thing? 
Okay, so I'm probably going to be unconventional in all this. And uh, so first of all, one of the things that I've done probably the past six years is I have just totally just given over the entire business to God. What I mean by that is I'm like, you know what, Lord, this is what success is for me. I want time with my family. I want freedom to travel. I don't want to be answering phone calls all day, every day long. I don't care how much money I make. As long as I can put my kids in school and pay the mortgage and save a little bit of money, that, that's success for me. Obviously, I like to grow the business. I like to acquire more and things like that. But that's my goal. And Lord, I'm just going to put it in your hands. And you just, I need your inspiration of what to do. And no, no joke. The past six years have been the most, we've seen the most growth we've ever seen. And I don't even spend that much time thinking about it. I work a lot, but like, I'll be like, hey, Lord, I can't figure out how to get past this problem. How do I get more customers? Or what do I do with this pricing model or whatever? And then I'll just let it go. I'll just pray and let it go. And then maybe the same day, sometimes weeks later, I'll just, an idea pops in my head. And I'm like, oh, you know what? That actually might solve that problem I had two weeks ago. So I'll write it down. And so basically there's this time delay where I get answers to the prayers I'm asking for sometimes weeks after I've asked. So I'm always getting something and they don't always work. I've learned a lot from failure. And in fact, sometimes I'm a very hard-headed person. So for me, sometimes I don't learn a lesson until I fail in it. And so guys, okay, I love you. Go on. I'm gonna, there you go. I'll be out in a minute. So for me, like right now, I'll, for example, right now I'm struggling a lot with staff. So we have around 55 employees right now. And we're in our busy season. And so there's a lot of discontentment with some of the older staff who have been around when it was slow. And so they're like, why is it so busy? And I'm not being paid anymore. And I'm like, that's your job. Like your job is not based on the slow season. Your job is based on the demand. And so my management team back in North Carolina, they're a little stressed right now. And I've, I was up there for a week, two weeks ago. I'm going up there again in this month. And again, I haven't been up there for a year. Now I'm making two trips in a month. And so it's a little stressful. But I'm leaving in God's hands. I'm like, Lord, I'm like, you know, what's important to me. I need your help. I need the staff to calm down. I need inspiration of what's going on. And been answering me. So I went up there not, like two weeks ago and I was like overwhelmed with the chaos, with the employee morale and the management team and all that stuff. And mind you, the business is slammed. So there's not even room to do anything different at the time because there's just so much happening. And I went back to the hotel room and like, I was depressed. I was like, Lord, I, this is way beyond me. I was like, I'm just completely lost. I need you. And man, as soon as I said that, I was like, I can't do this. I can't. Then like God started putting in my head, like little things I could try. Went back the next day, started putting it into place. Got a lot of pushback from the team, but they've been doing it now for two weeks. And today I got a call from the manager saying that, man, like it's so much smoother now. There's still a lot of chaos, right? There's, the employees still are going through their whatever, but it's so much smoother now. And I'm like, wow, Lord, I put in place a better way to do something when I haven't done it in like three and a half years. Cause I, I, I'm not there. Like I've, I've been gone now for two years from the business physically. I'm actually out of state. But the whole year that I was still in the state was during COVID. I didn't go into work at all. Like I just worked from home. And so I haven't actually done this stuff, the actual day-to-day -day activities for over three years. And then I broke down in the hotel room and just said, Lord, I need your help. And he gave me inspiration. So all that to say, I'm unconventional, but what I do is, and by the way, every morning I start out, 
I read the Bible every morning. Like there's no negotiation. I sit down and I read the Bible for 45 minutes to an hour. And I don't just read it. Like I'll read it and like I'll study it and I'll pull up concordances and I'll cross-reference. I'll just whatever rabbit trail I'm on. And I'm like, Lord, that's my priority. I want to understand your word. That's what I want. Everything else can just happen. And every day I say a prayer, Lord, help, help me appreciate the prosperity you've given me, but also help me be able to let it go if need be. If I lose everything tomorrow, help me be like Job and say, Lord, you give and you take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I feel like that is helping me manage the stress that I'm going through right now with the summer. It's helping me manage the staff. It's helping me be a good steward to the best of my ability with whatever he's given me resource-wise. And it's helping me be patient with the next step. Because mm -hmm. like you, Kale, I'm a little anxious about growing the business. I tried acquiring that grooming shop and then it fell through. I think it was last week. It just, the guy, the part lady bagged out. And then my first reaction was, Laura, I spent several thousand dollars on due diligence with attorney's fees and CPA fees. She's backing out. Like, what am I going to do now? What's the next step? What's the next step? And I got peace saying, okay, let it go. Like you focus on what's important to you. Let the other things fall into place if they do. And they may not. I may lose everything tomorrow, but I got to be okay with that. And I'm not saying I am. I have panic attacks. But I think that for me, that's been what's helped me be successful in my mind is what are my priorities and let God figure out the rest. Mm -hmm. So there's my unconventional answer to that question. No, I think that's great. And obviously it, a lot of that comes from your experiences and going through the challenging phases and the startup and learning and seeing what works and what doesn't work and ultimately getting to the point where you can start letting things go and giving them up to God and being at peace with that, which I think is where we all want to be. And I can't say that I'm at that same level with that. I certainly am trying to do that more and more. Like just this week, along the same theme, I've been wanting to acquire something. And one of my goals for this quarter has been to acquire another property. And so I'm doing tons of looking at tons of deals, underwriting things every single day, all this stuff. And so I shot out an offer uh, to earlier this week on something. We went back and forth with a couple counters, but I just, at, yesterday they came back with another counter and there's still a bridge to gap and it's clear that it's not going to be bridged. And I'm being strict on my criteria. I'm not going to, even though it's tempting almost to say, gosh, it's right there. I, at the same time, I did the same thing. I've been praying the whole time of, you know what, if this isn't going to work out, it's not going to work out and show me what's, show me what's going to happen next. And so that is giving me a little bit of peace in losing that deal. There was another one that came along like right after that. And when I was about to submit an offer, I get a text back from the realtor saying it just went under. And so I was like, ah, gosh, but learning to have yeah. that patience and let that yeah, go. The thing is, I agree. And the, the, the thing is that you don't want a deal that's outside of God's will for your life. Right, exactly. All it's going to do is bring a headache. It may be su right. successful financially, but it could ruin you in so many ways. It's, and like you say, Kill, and I'm inspired by you too, because you have a great, you have a great mentality for this. Lord, close the door if it's not meant for me. Like, right. I don't want it. So, and sometimes, in my experience, sometimes God, well, at least with me, will test me in that by putting something that's just out of reach. And like you say, Kiel, are you going to compromise right. your convictions for that? Are you going to compromise for it? Because if you do, 
then you may be going outside God's will. So like you having, you're having your criteria up front in stone. I think that's smart because it's like, Lord, this is what I feel at peace about. This is what I need for this deal to go through. And don't break your own rules to get it. If you're trying to submit it to God, you know what I'm saying? And if God wants to change your criteria, he can give you that confirmation. But if he's giving you conviction, don't change. This is what's safe for you and your family. I would say don't go against it. I and I want the listeners to understand if you do put in an offer on a property and your first offer doesn't get accepted and they're like, they counter back, then that's not just, that's not saying, oh, they counter, they didn't accept my original offer. That doesn't mean that it's a bad deal and that you should walk away. You have to understand the difference between there's going to be things that you have to compromise on because you're not always going to get 100% of what you want versus things that you continuously see roadblocks being put up that's that sign you can't overcome what's supposed to be and so you can try and try and there's always like these and it's, i'm the prime example because i've done it before like there's so many roadblocks that come up and i'm a big believer too west that god show me the way but i really want this but if you don't want it i really want this and i'm going to keep pushing to get it while i'm praying to you even though it's if i'm just honest like just stop because it's not going to work out and then sometimes i will get what i want but then in the end, it's complicated and it wasn't worth it in the first place. And then I let it go, or whatever it is. And I could have saved myself that if you can just be really honest with yourself in business. Like I said in our last podcast, I think if the numbers work, they work. Just tying it back to real estate. If they work, don't put your emotions into it. Know what's right for you. Pray about it if that's what you know you feel that you're going to help you mentally. But you can't just pray about it and then be like, no, this is what I want. You have to put all of it together and have that business faith mindset to be truly successful, I think. And real quick comment, I think, Kale, just to clarify, I absolutely agree that negotiating is good and having your offers is good. I'm saying like you have your ratios already predetermined. I'm not going to go beyond this amount. And that's, I think that's the conviction that you have to go to God and say, Lord, what is healthy for my portfolio or my vision or my goals? Once you get peace on that with prayer, due diligence, and, and it's not like you expect God to just audibly tell you those things. You can check your spirit. Once you get that in, in, in conviction, yes, negotiate, make your offers, whatever. Just don't go beyond whatever that predetermined amount is. Oh, absolutely. I think that's crucial. Yeah, I'm sure. Same with you, Omid. I'm sure you guys have very strict criteria of what you're going to go with and what you're not going to go with on a deal. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's interesting because even your negotiating power, it's very market specific and it's very deal specific and you have your buy box, but then you have to also consider where you are in the negotiating power spectrum, because mm -hmm. as long as you can still hit your buy box, you're good to go. Yeah. So just to wrap all this up, because I think this is really good. I think all of this ties in <laughs> very well together and... At the end of the day, I think it boils down to, frankly, getting out of our own way, whether it's in the family sphere or the business sphere, being able to get out of our own way. And like you were talking about, Wes, being able to let it go. I think that's when you ultimately are able to get that better balance and a more stable, whether it's family life or business life or whatever, but it is a challenge getting there, right? It's, it's a real struggle. And so I'm glad that you came on and shared some of that stuff with us, Omid, because it's very important, I feel, for people to understand what's on the other side, because 
I'm sure it was similar with you, but I know for me, it was, I didn't really know what to expect in becoming an entrepreneur and leaving the W2 or the corporate world. And it is very different. It does have its own set of challenges and being able to understand a little bit of what that may entail as you're pursuing that gives some clarity to maybe, do you want to pursue that or do you not? Or what can I expect at least and be better prepared when I get there? So I appreciate your candor letting us know that, uh, that you're not perfect, even though it seems like you are on this, but no, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing some of the behind the scenes with us. I think everyone's going to appreciate that. Also, I do feel like the next place that we are all going to be together, Wes and Roger, but Kale, Hamid and myself is the STR growth summit in September, September in Austin. September. Yeah. And uh, that'll be cool because one, you get to hear all those stories combined. If you guys, anybody out there wants to go and two, there may or may not be a dance off. I don't know yet. I don't know. There you go. Yeah. Or Brenna might just deadlift you. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Right. Yeah. She has a 185 PR. Is that 185 PR or 200 yeah, PR? So far. Yeah. We'll see how there it goes. Go. <laughs> so there you go. We're going to, we're going to do a squatting competition here. And oh, just, I got, oh yeah. I'd pick like up Kale. Pick up Kale. There you go. Cause you're 185. You're about 185. Here we go. Yeah. There we go. Perfect. There you go. Oh man. Yeah. Just to close it off then, the thing we'd like to end off with is, do you have three actionable or practical tips? Sorry. I so would Actionable or practical tips that that you could leave our audience with based on what we've discussed today? I think when you start any sort of journey, just understand your threshold for discomfort, because I think it's easy to get into a comparison game with yourself and other people, or you're like, oh, I'm better than this person. I can do what they're doing. And then some, or you, or maybe it's hey, they're doing these things and they've achieved this amount of wealth or this uh, sort of a success. And, uh, but you need to have the right habits in place. So if you have a poor man's level of habits in whatever you do now, like you jumping into anything else is not necessarily gonna translate into success just because you think you're better than somebody else or you think because somebody else is doing it, you can do it. So just make sure you have the right habits in place because if you have those, the habits in place, Things will fall into place. You'll figure out a way. And so I would say assess your threshold of pain or your threshold for discomfort. And then from there, find a mentor. Find a mentor that's going to help you go in the direction as for the goals that you want to achieve because you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Find somebody that's already doing it and have them show you the way and make whatever modifications that fit your situation. And get started. So if you're going to do the entrepreneur route, go for it. Just make sure that you know what you're getting yourself into and that you have the right habits and work ethic in place. Boom. Love it. Brenna? Take it uh, yeah. What is your favorite pizza and where from and why? Oh, okay. You know what? I should probably have a better answer for this. Yes, you should. <laughs> no, I'm trying to think. It's, so from a, from just a regular pizza, not regular, but just the standard brands. I love thin crust pizza. I love Domino's thin crust pizza. They have the little squares and it yeah, just, like just that. pop them yeah. in. But I would say I like a boutique wood burning, like a right. Neapolitan style. There's not anyone specific, I guess, that's near me that I have, but I would say those. But 
and pepperoni. When you're in pepperoni. the Smoky Mountains, again, whenever that's going to be, what is it called? It's my favorite pizza. It does it in the little squares. Yeah. Bellasinos. So it looks like a oh. hole in the wall and like it's on Dolly Parton Parkway. Cool. So if you're going up, like it's right before you get to the restaurants on the left, like the main strip restaurants and that Ford dealership. So Bellasinos on the left coming in from, yeah, my 40. Super cool. There you go. Omid, where can people reach out to you? Where can they follow you? Sure. So you, you can fo follow me on IG. So Omid, the Rad Investor. So that's O-M-I-D, the Rad Investor. I have a link tree in there. You can, there's a bunch of different links, but you can find me on findyourfreedomrei.com. I'm launching a co-host company, Nomadic Co-host. So nomadic and then mm -hmm. co-host.com. But yeah, just send me a DM and maybe I'll respond. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Absolutely. Sometimes they slip, right? They go to all these different like folders. And, yeah, like, there's different oh, folders. Shoot. I should have answered this like months ago. <laughs> so there you go. Check out Omid, the Rad Investor. Listen to his podcast, Find Your Freedom. And thank you again, Omid. Appreciate you sharing with us. And we'll For see sure. you again. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Peace.